I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and I am thrilled to be back. It has been a little uh, while because of COVID, uh, but I'm absolutely thrilled to be back on Unscripted. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about football uh, and coronavirus, uh, two things uh, that... uh, you can't really escape as we uh, enter August. And so I hope you're all staying healthy. I hope you're all staying safe and wearing masks and social distancing and, uh, you know, doing everything that we can to ensure that college football can happen come September. So, uh, like I said, I hope you're all healthy and I hope you're all safe. Let's talk about the ACC football schedule. It came out yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday when it drops, came out yesterday and they completely revamped the college football landscape for this season. They're the first conference to do it. Now, they weren't the first conference to say uh, only conference schedules, uh, so they were not the first ones to do that, but they are the first one to come out with a new plan, a new schedule uh, with concrete rules and and matchups and all that. So I want to talk about it, what it means for college football, what it means for Pitt, and we're going to be going through it. So uh, the the very basics of it, and then I'm going to dive right into uh, analysis. Very basics. First of all, it's for all fall sports. So a lot of places they're talking about, well, maybe some places canceled all fall sports. They're just kicking the can down the road. I do a lot of work in the A-10 for LaSalle. They're not doing fall sports at all. Um, for for places that have football, particularly D1, major conferences that have football, uh, they have not decided yet to not have fall sports because they want football. And so the ACC, the Power Five, and, and I believe all the group of five are all still playing. Not all of Pitt's uh, supposed opponents are still playing. They were supposed to play Richmond this year. Their conference is not going to be playing football. Uh, But uh, this does apply, like I said, for ACC football, but also all ACC sports. So volleyball, they're going to get the play. Hopefully everything is safe, but obviously Pitt volleyball has been phenomenal. I hope that season goes off without a hitch, and uh, it looks like they'll be able to play as well as soccer and and, uh, a couple other sports. Uh, in this episode, though, we are going to be talking about football. They started, they pushed back the start date till September. I believe it's the end of the first week of September. And so they buy themselves a little bit of extra time. I believe they push it back a week. Um, there's going to be one division. So instead of the normal Atlantic and the Coastal, one division, it's going to have all the teams in it. Um, they're also adding Notre Dame. And the way it works is Notre Dame for this season is essentially going to be considered a full member of the ACC. What that means is that all their games will be, all 10 games will be in the ACC because a lot of their contracts went up in smoke when all these conferences said conference-only schedules. So they're not going to be playing USC. They're not going to be playing, I don't even know who was supposed to be on their schedule this year. They still have Navy, but outside of that, they couldn't play their schedule. So the ACC threw them uh, a a life raft. Uh, But in exchange, the ACC now gets the NBC money that Notre Dame has. So that'll be split evenly amongst all the ACC teams. So it's sort of a fair trade-off. 
Notre Dame gets to have a season and the ACC gets money out of it and, and they'll work that out. Um, on top of that, they also add a really good team, so I guess there's some prestige there. Uh, so there's going to be one division. They're going to have all the ACC teams, including Notre Dame, and then the championship will work out where just the top two teams by win percentage uh, go to the championship. So because there aren't divisions, you're not going to have division winners. You're just going to take the top two teams by win percentage. If there's a tie, there are tiebreakers. Uh, you hope that all these teams will be able to play all these games and they'll have the same number of games. If not, then when the percentage could be a bit more vital. Uh, but that's going to be what it is. It's going to be 10 ACC games, and then you're going to have one extra non-conference game as long as it's played at home or in your state. So it's going to be an 11-game season down from 12, and it's going to be almost entirely in conference. So no more eight game conference schedules, nine game conference schedule. This is going to be 10 games, all ACC, and then one game non-conference. Looking at Pitt specifically, they released the schedules. Now, they did not release the dates, but they released the matchups. So Pitt's new schedule, the 10 teams they will face, everyone is playing five home games, five away games. Pitt's home games, they've got Syracuse, who is, I guess, a rival, kind of, Virginia Tech, also kind of a rival. Notre Dame, kind of a rival, so three big games at home. NC State and Louisville. And then the away games, Boston College, interesting geographic matchup, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. You did hear Clemson, the uh, the perennial powerhouses. Pitt will have to go to Death Valley and play Clemson. Now, of course, the last time the Panthers did it in 2016, they got the signature win that we all remember so fondly. Um, I can't imagine that'll happen again. We'll see. But um, beating Clemson at Death Valley is uh, a lot harder than it seems. And uh, the fact that Pitt was able to do it once, lightning doesn't tend to strike twice in the same place. So that game is going to be exceptionally difficult. Pitt, normally, because of the rotation, because of the divisions, where you play everyone in your division, you play your, your cross-division rival, which for Pitt is Syracuse, and then you rotate through the others, Pitt is only supposed to play Clemson, I believe, every six years, and which means that they're only supposed to play Clemson, uh, or actually, believe it's seven, no, I, I guess six years, which means they're only supposed to play Clemson on the road once every 12 years. Uh, again, an exceptionally tough place to play. And they should only have to do it once every 12 years. They're now having to do it twice in five years. So not ideal for Pitt, especially not ideal because fans can't go. We're not going to be traveling to the game. And the one sort of advantage for Pitt playing at Death Valley, even though it's such a tough place to play, is it's a great atmosphere. And if you're a Pitt fan, maybe you want to go to the game and you want to see it. That won't be happening. Uh, I, I doubt they let any Clemson fans in, and uh, certainly Pitt fans will not be traveling down to South Carolina to go to the game, and there won't be that great atmosphere. So um, I don't know if it'll be another 12 years if they restart the clock, but it'll be a while before Pitt plays at Death Valley again, and any of us can experience that atmosphere. Uh, until then, it's just the fundamentals of the game, which playing Clemson in their house, not great for Pitt. So, talking about how the schedule has changed, uh, if you look at it, Pitt's schedule, they have uh, added four teams, and they've taken away three. Uh, the three that they are no longer playing, all coastal teams. So, they're no longer going to be playing Duke, UNC, or UVA. Now, of course, 
when Pat Narduzzi finally, when Pitt finally figures out how to beat North Carolina, they take them off the schedule. It took years to figure out how to beat the Tar Heels, and now Pitt doesn't get to play them. Uh, Duke shouldn't have been particularly a hard game. UVA maybe a little bit harder. They won the Coastal last year. We'll see how good they are this year, but uh, Virginia is obviously a pretty good football team, and so you're no longer playing those three teams. You've added four. Louisville and NC State at home, Clemson and Boston College away. Sort of a mixed bag. Like I said, Clemson, that's brutal. Boston College on the road should be an interesting matchup. Boston College was decent last year. We'll see. NC State at home should be fine. They weren't very good last year. And then Louisville at home, it'll be a tough battle uh, because Louisville was, was quite good last season. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it it. In terms of competitive, obviously you hate to play Clemson because they're so good, but you knew that if if this is going to be the schedule, a lot of teams are going to have to play Clemson. When you're playing 10 conference games, there are going to be a lot of teams that would probably prefer to not play Clemson, especially since if you're playing them at home, you can't sell tickets, uh, that, that have to play Clemson. And so that's just how it goes. It sucks you got to play Clemson, especially on the road. Uh, but you get to add NC State, maybe you take Virginia off the list, so it sort of evens out from a competitive standpoint. It is going to be a tough schedule, but it's a tough conference. There are no easy games, there are no easy wins, and so that's sort of just part of it, that when you have a, a schedule that is now 10 elevenths, whatever the fraction is, 10 elevenths are going to be ACC games, there, there's not a single easy win in the ACC, and, and Pitt really never has a single easy win regardless, so that's part of it. But from a competitive standpoint, yes, it's going to be tough, but I think pretty much everyone's schedule is going to be tough. NC State is the only team uh, that really got to avoid the big dogs, Clemson and Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah, that is uh, – they, they get the – the uh, long straw, I guess. They get the longest straw for everyone else. It's going to be tough playing either Clemson, Notre Dame, or in Pitt's case, both. Uh, so now I am going... I, I just said some of these interesting things about the schedule. Now I'm going to tear it to pieces a little bit. So strap in. Um, because I saw this schedule. It's very interesting. I give the ACC credit for trying to make something out of nothing, for, for trying to make lemonade out of some pretty rotten lemons, because this is a very bad situation that we're in, that sports are in, that college football's in, all of that. It's a bad situation. So to even attempt to have a season, credit to them, credit to them figuring out how to make it work, because once everyone said it's going to be conference games only and, and teams, you know, conferences started pulling out, so Pitt couldn't play Richmond, they had to find a way to redo the schedule, to start everything uh, fresh, and they were able to find a way to do it. So I give them credit for that. These are tough times, and they're trying to do their best. That said, there are a lot of flaws in their reasoning. The first flaw, why not focus more on geography? I feel like that's all we've been talking about is geography. We don't want teams to travel, and especially we don't want them to travel far distances. In baseball, the Phillies are not going to be playing the, uh, the Brewers. I believe, in this 60-game schedule. The uh, Dodgers are not going to be playing the Yankees. It's They're not traveling uh, across the country because they want to keep people 
in their uh, geographic locations, they don't want to have unnecessary travel. And for whatever reason, uh, the schedule makers for uh, this ACC schedule decided not to do that. Now, they're not. you're obviously not going across the country. Part of why you have a conference is to have teams that are within somewhat of a close distance to each other. But as we know, as the conferences have gotten bigger and more prestigious, and it's come down to five major power conferences, when they're pretty big, you're not going to be able to have all teams in a close geographic location. When the ACC started, it was teams just right up and down the Atlantic coast. It, you know, you've got Maryland, you've got teams in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. It's it's right in a fairly tight geographic location. And then you add some teams. You add Miami, and you add Boston College, and then you add Pitt, and you add Syracuse and Western New York, and you add Louisville, and all of a sudden things aren't that close. And ACC actually has it better than some other conferences, especially you talk about the Big 12. You've got West Virginia, which isn't far from Pittsburgh, and they're going to, assuming they do a similar thing, they're going to have to travel down to TCU and to Oklahoma. Those are far trips. So it's it's not ideal for anyone. I get that because these conferences are fairly spread out. But within the conference, you have to do your best to keep teams as close as possible and to have teams play. Instead, I don't know what, how they decided if it was just a lottery, if it was random, how they decided which teams were going to play which other teams and who wasn't going to play other teams. Like I said, Pitt isn't playing Duke or North Carolina, or Virginia, as they normally do. Um, and th there's a huge problem with that. Pitt isn't playing these schools in Virginia and North Carolina, but instead they're going to be getting on planes to Miami and to Florida State, which Florida is a massive hotbed of coronavirus, uh, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. The leadership there has not been taking it very seriously. So... Uh, this doesn't seem to be an ideal situation. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, obviously, for anyone to have to, to go and play games in Florida. But why would you have one of the northernmost teams in the conference not play teams in Virginia and North Carolina that they could do in a bus ride if they needed to, and instead send them down to Florida, Florida State and Miami, for two games? That I just don't get. Why not focus more on geography? On the other side of the coin... I looked at the teams that don't have to play Clemson this year. Ready for it? There are three. Duke, NC State, North Carolina. Those three teams, why on earth, and of course there are more, why on earth are those three teams in the state of North Carolina not playing a team in South Carolina? That's driving it. That's closer, I think, than Pitt is to anyone else in the conference. So to me, it makes no sense that if you want to focus on limiting travel, on keeping things tight and combined and all that, that you're you're going and and we know that this is a priority for them because in their non-conference games, they said you can't play a game out of your state. It's got to be a home game, or if you travel, it has to be in the same state. So it's clear that they understand that you don't want people traveling far distances to go play games, because just the more travel, if you have to stay overnight, just all these things, it complicates it. There's going to be hotels, there's going to be planes. The less you can travel, the better. It's why we see in these bubbles, part of what makes the bubble great, no travel. There are a few things that make these bubbles great, but no travel. The NWSL just finished their tournament. They had all the teams go out to Utah, and then they stayed there. No one had to travel to play anyone. It's happening with MLS. It's happening with NBA. Travel is not great for 
this circumstance. Because anytime you travel, there is just a greater and greater risk. And of course, you're going to have to travel with this ACC schedule and this proposal, but why not make it where you have the teams closest to each other play each other, the teams that are furthest away should not play each other. Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt shouldn't be playing Miami this year, or Florida State. Just Those teams shouldn't be playing the Northern team. That's just how it should work out. And I have no idea why. It makes no sense to me why Pitt isn't playing schools in Virginia and North Carolina, but instead they're playing two schools in Florida, and that there are three schools in North Carolina that avoid Clemson even though they are in a bordering state that shares one of the two names of this state. So that makes no sense to me. Same thing with the non-conference schedule. So we'll see, because as I said, it's 10 conference games and then one more non-conference game. That has yet to be determined who that's going to be. As of now, Pitt has on the schedule Miami of Ohio. And so... That very well may be the team. They may just keep the agreement and play Miami, Ohio. Again, it would have to be at Heinz Field uh, because Pitt cannot travel out of state to Miami of Ohio. They also, although, again, even if they did go to Miami of Ohio, which wouldn't happen, but even if they did, that's not very far. If Pitt had a a game with Marshall, that's extremely close, not very far. Um... So I don't really know why they decided. I mean, I, I guess I get it to some extent, but they decided on this arbitrary thing. You can't travel out of your state for the non-conference game, even though two things. One, some places in the state are further than out of state. And so it would be easier and closer for Pitt to play Miami of Ohio or to play Marshall or to play West Virginia than it would be to play Temple uh, or, or or Villanova. So Obviously, that's part of it with some states where you're actually closer to schools outside of your state than you are to schools in your state. So that's part of it. And then also, how is the ACC going to say it's too risky for you to play a road game in West Virginia or in Ohio, but we're going to send you down to Florida to play Miami and Florida State? That part I just don't get at all. I I understand wanting to keep it close. I understand if they put even a mileage radius on it, said you can't go this far out of your home stadium. I get not wanting Notre Dame to to play USC. I get not wanting to have Miami play uh, Texas or something like that. I get it. But I, I just don't understand why they have this arbitrary rule that you can't play outside your state, but you're going to send teams from Pennsylvania to Florida and not from North Carolina to South Carolina. I don't get it. I do not get it. So we'll see if it's Miami of Ohio. It could be West Virginia. Both teams will have an opening in their schedule. So the backyard brawl could happen. Um, It's going to be tough because West Virginia would have to agree to play it in Pittsburgh. And even if they would want to, maybe the Big 12 has their own rule that you have to play their non-conference games in-state. And so West Virginia and Pitt might both be able to say, we'd love to play this game, but we have to play it at our own stadium. So obviously that can't happen. I don't know about Penn State, if they'd be up for it. I highly doubt it. Their athletic director has not wanted to play Pitt. They're afraid of Pitt. And so I don't know if Pitt's gonna, if that's going to happen. If not, it very well may be Pitt just plays, especially because the ECC, there's not going to be a break. You just take an easier team, Miami of Ohio, something like that, and you play them at Heinz Field. Just go with that. But it is kind of silly to me that you say you can't go to West Virginia to play a game, 
but we're going to send you to Florida. Or you could even go into across the state to Philly, which is further that it's kind of silly. It's kind of made up. Then again, so are state boundaries. So, you know, who am I to, to criticize? Uh, we're going to be taking a quick break. Then I'm going to come back in just a moment, talk about uh, fans in the stadium, talk about if there might be a season at all. Maybe this whole podcast has been pointless. Maybe there won't be a football season. Um, and, and how, if there is going to be a football season, how they could do their best. Talks of a bubble, talks, things like that. And then at the end, name of Panther of the Week. Quick break, and I'll be back in just a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, we are back on Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. So, let's talk about fans. There won't be fans. At least, obviously not at Heinz Field, there will not be fans. That's been the case for months. To me, it was, everyone was sort of fooling themselves, thinking, oh, maybe there'll be fans, maybe we're going to... It's just not going to happen. You just can't do it. You can't have that many people close together. And I don't think it'll be the case with any ACC teams. In fact, I would say that it would be smart for the ACC to say, for all the members, you can't have fans in your stadium. Because if they're serious, and we don't know exactly how serious they are, but if they're serious about trying to get this, you know, trying to have low risk and trying to avoid, you know, all these things, then you really should say, we don't want to have anyone gathering if it's not absolutely necessary. And outside of the players and important coaches and staff, it is not necessary. We've seen it in the NBA with their bubble. We've seen it with baseball. Even the the, the members of the press, these people who they, that's their entire lives, that's their entire career, they go to these games, they talk about it, they would argue that it's absolutely necessary for them to be at these games. And to maybe to do the, the best job possible, it probably is. But again, unless it's absolutely necessary, if unless it's a, a cog in this machine, unless you can't accomplish playing this game without it, you shouldn't have any more people there than absolutely need to. And so I think there shouldn't be fans there. There shouldn't be press there. there should, it should just be the football players, the coaches, medical staff, and that's about it. Uh, I, I've joked that maybe you could have one fan in every section. So you've got like 50 or 100 fans in the whole stadium. They're incredibly far apart, and they can make just a little bit of noise. If you want to go that route, fine. I'm, I'm all on board with that. Maybe the ACC can make that rule or, or even say, because I could understand maybe in some cases you could have a few hundred fans in there very well spaced out. Maybe. I don't know how it's going to work. I'd say you have to have no concessions open. You have to have, you know, you, you can't buy alcohol there. There would have to be a ton of limits in place. Even then, it would have to be 
uh, remarkably limited to like 10% of capacity. At that point, I don't even know if it's worth it for having to take tickets and check temperatures and all that. I don't even know if you want to do it. If they did, maybe the ACC could say max capacity is 10% or 15% of your normal capacity. But honestly, if, if we're just being honest, there should not be fans there. There aren't fans at baseball games. There aren't fa- There's no one going into these bubbles. There aren't fans in Europe who have a better control over this than America does. So if Germany in the Bundesliga and England in the Premier League, if they're not having fans, when they've actually handled this very well, then we shouldn't have fans. It's just that simple. There should not be fans in the stands unless there absolutely have to be because this coronavirus is still so rampant. So there aren't going to be fans. There shouldn't be fans. I'd be shocked if there are fans. And if I see any stadium that has uh, a good amount of fans close together without my, I will, I'll be very upset because it just should not be the case where you're putting people at risk. Even if you say, well, they signed up for it. Even if you say, well, they know the risk. Because once you catch it, you're putting other people at risk. If you have it, if you go to a game and you say, even if I catch it, it's fine, I know the risk, you go to the store, you could very well give the coronavirus to someone else. You do This whole thing, we are all in this together. This is a public health emergency. So you can't just say, well, I know the risks, and so I'm going to go to this game, and you can stay home if you want to. No, because everyone who goes to the game increases the likelihood that someone catches it. And the more people there, the higher the likelihood that a lot of people catch it. And then they all disperse. If you agreed, I'm going to go to the game, and then I'm going to go sit in my house for 14 days, then fine. I would say it's totally up to you. Go to the game if you want. But you're going to be going around. You're going to be going to work for many people who have to go back to work now. Uh, You're going to be going to the grocery store. You're going to be going to the pharmacy. A lot of places, a lot of things are open that are far from necessary. So... As long as this is still a public health crisis, that if you get infected, it could very well spread to other people, I would advocate no fans. I don't care how much you want to go. I don't care how safe you say you can be. It is a huge risk, and it is just not a necessary risk. I'd say no fans, no press, only the people absolutely necessary, because the more people there, the more problems you're going to have, and it's just going to make it that much more likely that something bad happens, they can't finish the season, and that's the last thing we want. So there really should not be fans. We'll see every state is going to have their own thing, but I would I would love it if the ECC just flat out said no fans. Don't try to sell tickets. Don't try to hire staff. You know, no fans. We're, we're just trying. We're going to try to get the season done, so we're only going to have people who are absolutely necessary there. No fans for all the ECC schools. That's what I hope they say. Doubt it happens, but we'll see. I think it's going to go state by state. That's sort of how everything's gone during this crisis, but we'll see. Uh, and and one last thing before we, we close. There may not be a season, and I think we still have to acknowledge that. I, now, first of all, I see this take pop up sometimes. It's not too common, but sometimes people say, why are you rooting for things to fail? You don't want sports to come back. You don't. There is nothing that I love more in the sports world, in college football. It is my absolute favorite thing. It is my escape. I, you know, I, I work in a lot of other sports. I don't really work in college football. I love college football. I love uh, pit football. I'm talking about pit football. There's nothing I want more than to have pit football to watch, to talk about, to entertain me. Uh, hell, I even make a little money from pit football So, be, be, with this podcast. So it would be going against my 
my interest in every way, financial interest, personal interest, in every way, it would be going against my interest to not want football to come back. But you also have to acknowledge that this season may not happen, and that even maybe if it starts, there's also a decent chance that it will not finish. And we just all have to know that. Like, I'm not rooting for it. No one is rooting for the season to not happen or to not finish, especially with Pitt in a scenario where they've got all these great players, these seniors, and this should be the most formidable Pitt team in years. Uh, But there's a chance that it doesn't happen as much as we all hate that. And it's because this country has not gotten its COVID crisis. We, we haven't gotten control over it. Other countries that have sports, they've gotten control over it. There are very, very, very few cases. And when there are cases, they test, they, they isolate, they contact trace, and all that, to the point where in some countries they're actually starting to have fans in the stands. We can't do that. I hate it, but we cannot do that. This virus is way too prevalent still and way too dangerous. So, because that's the case... It, it's not a slam dunk that this is going to happen. And like I said, even if it starts, it very well may not finish. Uh, we look at baseball. If you want to look for an example, look at Major League Baseball. It took three days for one team to have a full-blown outbreak. The Miami Marlins, it took three days. And then at the end of the weekend, they came out and said, uh, yeah, we've got like 14 players that have it. I think it's up to 18 now. And so now the Marlins can't play for over a week. And honestly, with the way they handled it and the fact that they allowed someone to get it, multiple people to get it, and then it spread like wildfire, honestly, they should have made the rule that if you have an outbreak, more than five players, more than six players on your team gets coronavirus at once, you're out. Sorry, you're out. That honestly would have held teams and players accountable to not get this virus. Uh, it would have incentivized them because now their their season would be done. That's not the case. Instead, they get a week off. The team they played, the Phillies, all their players are now at risk. One of the Phillies uh, pitchers, Zach Wheeler, just had a baby. And now he's got to be worried that maybe he's got coronavirus because the other team has it. And so now you've got two teams that are not playing any games this week. And you've got other teams worried about it. it like I said, this happened just after one series. After three days of baseball, you had two teams that were out of commission for a week. And that is more than likely going to happen again, because the fact of it is, uh, you're not in a bubble. If you're in a bubble, you can make this work. We saw it with NWSL, we're seeing it with MLS, we're seeing it with with the NBA, Um, we're, we're seeing it with NHL up in Canada. If you're in a bubble, you can make it work, because you can control who's in, who's out, and if everyone in is healthy, then you're okay then the precautions aren't as necessary. But you're not in a bubble. So after every single baseball game, all these players are going home to their families. And those families are going out doing whatever they need to do. They're going grocery shopping. They're going to a park. They're going to the... And if any one of those people gets it, they're going to give it to their family members because you're not going to quarantine. Most people can't quarantine inside their house. So if someone in the household gets it, they're going to give it to the baseball player. And if the baseball player gets it, a lot of his team is probably going to get it. Um, And that's going to be the case with football. With all these people, it just takes one person to get it. Because the reality is in football, more so than baseball, way more so than baseball, you cannot social distance. Baseball, they could do it. Baseball, you could require that everyone wears a mask. Some guys are doing it. The Phillies, D.D. Gregorius is wearing a mask all the time when he bats. He's hit like two home runs with a mask on. So you can do it and you can play well in baseball. But 
they're not wearing masks. They're not staying far apart. The initial plan, I remember, when they were talking about going to Arizona, was to have the players not sit in the dugout, but sit in the stands, far apart from each other. They're not doing that. Everyone's in the dugout. So if one, players are close to each other on the same team. So if one guy gets it, you know it's going to spread. And with football, like I said, it's even more dangerous. You cannot social distance with football. These people work too closely. The offensive line has to be physically close to each other. The offensive line has to be physically close to the defensive line. Wide receivers are going to be close to defenders on every play. Linebackers are going to be close to quarterbacks anytime they get to them. Just every single play, you have two people whose faces are right up in each other's, and they're breathing heavily, and they're screaming, and all these things, and a lot of respiratory droplets out there. So you you just can't social distance, and I highly doubt you could wear masks playing football. It's a lot, there's a lot more running, it's a lot tougher physically than baseball. So you can't social distance, you probably can't wear masks, which means that if one person gets it, it's probably going to spread throughout the team, and it's probably going to spread to the other team, which means that you really can't have people get it, which is next to impossible. Unless you have a bubble, which can't really happen, because the MLBPA didn't want to do a bubble, and the NFL players didn't want to do a bubble, and if those guys who were getting paid refuse to do a bubble, you're not going to be able to force college students to completely isolate and go into a bubble. Uh, I No matter how great you make it, if you assign a whole dorm to them and, and you say, you know, football team's going to get really close, even if you have other athletes all in the same dorm, you've got the soccer team there, you've got, it's just not going to work. These these are college kids. They're, you'd love to say, hey, you're just going to stay in a dorm and you're going to focus on nothing but your sport and that's it. And you're going to take classes online and all that. It's not going to happen. A lot of these people are going to be going to physical classes. A lot of these people are going to be going to social events. They're going to be going to parties in South Oakland. I hate it. I wish, you know, and and I'd like to say that if I were a player, I would just stay quarantined because that's what I've been doing here. But a lot of these people, they're 19 years old. They're 20 years old. They're going to go to to crappy South Oakland apartments, and they're, they're going to go to parties. Rutgers, their entire football team pretty much has COVID because of one party that happened indoors. Do you know how many parties are going to be happening in South Oakland in these crummy basements with so many people on top of each other? If, this thing, if one person in a South O basement has it, everyone is going to have it. And if one football player goes to one of those South O basements and he gets it, then he goes back to his team and then they get it. And it spreads around first the the position players, you know, people in that same position. And then it goes around the team. Then it gets to the coaches, you know, goes to one positional coach and then he spreads it to Narduzzi. And then when they play the game, even if they don't know they have it yet, uh, then... You know, then it's going to spread, like I said, offensive line to defensive line. I just don't see any way how if one person gets it, it doesn't become widespread. And I don't think anyone sees any way that not one person's going to get it because one person is going to get it. And at the very least, it's going to spread amongst the team, might even spread amongst another team. And maybe you can take two weeks off and hope, but it's not like baseball where you say next man up and you call up a guy from the minors. So you're really at a situation where you just have to hope that no player gets it. Because if one player gets it, I don't think any person could make a compelling case to me that these people will stay far away from each other at all times and that one person could get it but will always be wearing a mask and will always be socially distant from his teammates that he won't spread it. 
because it just won't happen, especially, by the way, if you're traveling and you're on planes to Florida uh, for, for football games there. So you're not going to have these guys who are six feet apart with masks on at all times. It's just not possible, again, especially when you're playing football. So if one person gets it, they're all going to get it. And one person's going to get it. You're just not going to be able to have people uh, who aren't in a bubble, who aren't enforced, who aren't locked inside their dorms. You're not going to have them not go to a party in South O. Or or even more innocently, just go to a, a restaurant and, and you know get something. Even if they're sitting outside, you never know. Go to a family event. It's You just can't tell me that no one's going to get it. And once someone has it, it will spread. We saw it with the Marlins. Anytime a player gets it, and they're going to be in the locker room, they're going to be on the planes, they're going to be in the on the bench, on the sidelines, on the dugout, all this stuff. It's just going to spread. We've already seen it with the Marlins. I was saying before baseball started that this was going to happen. I said, if one player gets it, it will spread. And we saw that with the Marlins. One player got it, and because these teams are not distanced, they're not wearing masks, because, again, especially with football, how can you? It'll spread amongst the team once one player gets it. Maybe there'll be some exceptions. We saw with uh, Juan Soto with the Nats, he got it, but he wasn't around the team, and, and he isolated, and it seems to be fine. But outside of a couple exceptions, there are going to be cases in schools across the country where just one person comes into contact with the virus in any way, whether it's in South O or anywhere else. They come into contact with the virus. They are now infected, whether they know it or not. They spread it to the teammates. The teammates spread it around. And now you have an entire team that is infected. And I have no clue how you get around that. So really, to me, it comes down to either you're in a bubble where you can really isolate this thing and shut it down. Uh, and you lock everything down, like we saw with these leagues that have done it, where there are going to be no cases and you're in a bubble. Or there's going to be coronavirus. And with college athletes who aren't getting paid, you cannot keep them in a bubble. And, and of course, there's not, not going to be a bubble because these teams are going to be traveling. You can't even have the whole conference go to one site and play everything there. You can't do it. So there's not going to be a bubble. There can't be a bubble, uh, which means that there's there are going to be coronavirus cases. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. If there's one, it will spread. And I hate that, that that's the case, but it is. This thing spreads remarkably easily. It will spread amongst a team, and I have no idea what you do when 10, 12, 20 of your players have coronavirus and can't play. You, do you play again? I, just, I have no idea what you do. I don't know if you push it back a week. I don't know. And the schedule makers, their job's not done yet because I highly, highly, highly doubt that all 10 of these games for every team will be played when they're supposed to be played, all on time, all without a hitch. I highly doubt it. I hope it happens. I don't believe it will happen. Maybe the season starts on time, and maybe it works out. But even if that's the case, I don't know how it's going to finish. Unless people are extremely responsible and we've seen it all throughout the country there are a lot of people who are irresponsible and certainly 19 year olds you can only hold them to such a high standard as much as you want to you just know someone's gonna get it and so i don't know how this season's gonna work i don't know if it'll happen at all i don't know if it'll be finished i don't know if if Pitt will make it to an acc championship game because i don't know if there's gonna be an acc championship game i hope it happens i just don't know so 
I just talked this entire podcast about Pitt and about this football schedule, and it very well may not happen at all. And if it does happen, it very well may not happen as it looks now. But we'll see. Like I said, of course, I am hoping that everything goes well, that everything happens uh, as it's supposed to happen. This is what I'm passionate about. Um, I just don't see it happening. But we'll see. I, I would absolutely love to be proven wrong. I would be thrilled if I'm proven wrong and they're able to play 11 games without problems and it's all perfect. I just don't see it happening. So, uh, before we go, uh, I do want to hit on Panther of the Week. It has been a little while, but I want to give it to Elliot Donald, a four-star uh, defensive lineman from the Pittsburgh area. He is the nephew of Aaron Donald, who is one of the best pit players of all time, one of the best players in the NFL currently. I believe uh, NFL players just last night named him uh, the third best NFL player uh, in the league. You can make a very good case that he should be number one. Aaron Donald is phenomenal. He was not highly recruited. He went to Pitt. He worked hard. Uh, and, you know, he, he's accomplished so much as a college player. He probably should have won the Heisman as an NFL player. He's given back to Pitt. He's donated money. He's donated time and public appearances. And he, he's just a great ambassador for Pitt. And his nephew, this time he's got a nephew who was highly recruited. Aaron Donald wasn't. Elliot Donald was. He's a four-star athlete. Penn State wanted him. LSU wanted him. Pitt got him. And so Panther of the Week, Elliot Donald, also Aaron Donald, because I don't know if Elliot Donald goes to Pitt because Aaron wants him to, but I know if Aaron said, don't go to Pitt, or I didn't love it there, Elliot Donald would not be going to Pitt. So Aaron Donald clearly loves Pitt, and he's got a passion for the program. He's a great ambassador for Pitt. He probably said a lot of good things to his nephew about it. And Elliot Donald, I'm sure with that and a bunch of other reasons, decided he wants to go to Pitt too, and he wants to sort of form another path in the same mold as Aaron Donald. And uh, it's just great to see that that family connection continues, the local connection continues, and that uh, Aaron Donald, one of the best players in Pitt football history, now has a nephew who's going to be going to Pitt. And uh, who knows, maybe he'll become one of the greatest players in Pitt football history too. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I want to thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere. Uh, just search for Cardiac Hill. You'll find us, Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. Uh, episodes are going to be coming out more frequently as we hit August. And then, of course, God willing, if there's a football season, uh, weekly episodes because, God, do I just want to talk about pit football. I really want it to happen. Uh, but, like I said, please... Uh, find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Please give us a five-star review. It helps. Uh, if you subscribe, then you get the podcasts right to you whenever they come out. And so you don't have to uh, you don't have to stay up late at night wondering when's another podcast going to come out because I know you're doing it. And you don't have to do that anymore if you subscribe. You just open the podcast app and you see it's there. You get a notification. New episode of Unscripted. So I know it's just going to help you a ton. And it's uh, it'll keep you from waking up at 3 a.m. wondering about the status of this podcast um again thank you so much uh i really hope that you're all staying safe you're all staying healthy wearing a mask uh social distancing and with any luck we can actually see some college football this fall i really want it to happen thank you so much i'll see you very soon i'm Corey cohen signing off on unscripted the cardiac hill podcast <laughs>